guys. It's not anywhere in the book. I was just looking at you and I saw that you have the little big book, the little $5 one <laughs> in your hand. I know. I love this little one. I, I got sober on it um, on the tube on Lon- in London. I just read it the whole time between meetings. Um, I would, and, and nobody could tell that it was an AA book because I'm paranoid at that point. <laughs> it doesn't have anything on the outside of it. And I've never Nothing. noticed it. It's a little tiny $5 big mm. book. Yeah. And you, I've never asked you your story. You are literally my best friend. And <laughs> we've known each other for years <laughs> in Australia. I have no idea how you got sober. Uh, but yeah, so you're saying that you did get sober in London. I did. Yes. Why were you living there? Um, oh, because Sydney was the problem. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I know. So I decided I'd go to London and my sister was there and she was my little um, protector. Yeah. So um, she's my little sister. <laughs> and so I, I met her over there. So I was yeah, just making a joke that you're 20 years sober and using the little big book. <laughs> <laughs> but you were saying that you have multiple big books and um my husband likes to say if I I've misplaced something he's like well have you looked under a big book because I have so many big <laughs> books in this house written and highlighted in so many different ways there has to be I feel like I know I think to a newcomer as this podcast is literally just directed at hoping to be helpful to a newcomer that's the only thing that we're doing here I think that sounds so lame that your end game will be a life where there's big books of Alcoholics Anonymous strewn across my house. You know, one always has to be in like arm's length, just in case. And how many times a day I'm like, oh, it's the wrong big book, you know, so ridiculous. But, mm. but um, yeah, it's I funny because it's, it's the opposite. Yeah, it's the you opposite know. of mm. being unfun. Hi, everyone. Welcome to That's Not in the Book. I'm your host, Agent X. Joining me today is my best friend, Mary Poppins. How are you, Mary? I'm good, thanks, Agent X. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Are you? I am a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Fantastic. Please remember that every person on this show expresses his or her own personal opinion and that no member speaks for Alcoholics Anonymous as a whole. The only aim of this podcast is to be helpful to the still suffering alcoholic. And I say the not still suffering alcoholic, like you could be a so- still suffering alcoholic and be sober, you know? So wow. the aim of this podcast is simply that people have a place to hear a couple opinions and perspectives about what the words in the big book mean to them. And I think that because every time I seem to It seems like every time I open this book with a new friend or a new sponsee or a new sponsor or in a new home group, like something new comes out of it. And I've never been like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have read the big book again, right? Have you in 20 (laughs) years of sobriety, have you had that experience? Oh, I love it. I love this book. It is new every time I open it and every time it touches my soul and heart, every time I read it. I love it. I think so too. And and I don't know another book where I keep getting ex- excited like that or or that there's something like that was not in there. I swear that wasn't in there the last time we saw it. Or a new perspective or a new word. You know, doing this so far, I've, I have learned something from everybody that I've spoken about the book with. And um, what was the last one that we just, oh, that epoch of the annals of of alcohol history <laughs> alcoholism i just was exactly this many days old when i learned what that meant you know so i just had never 
asked. I did, yeah. I was too embarrassed to ask. So I think this is a great, just a great thing that everybody who gets to, every time I get to open this and read this with a new friend, mm. something else happens. There's always some, some another new thing that I get to learn. So today you and I are talking about, um, still in the doctor's opinion, and I make jokes. I know that you like to pretty rapidly move people through the steps as well. And I love to rapidly move people through the steps, but this is hands down the longest explanation of the big book. We're talking about page an hour, you know, (laughs) this week I got a sponsee through one through three in like two hours, 15 minutes, you know, (laughs) that's not this, that's not this, but, but Hey, whatever God wants from us, we'll do that. So what have we been talking about in the book so far? We're, we're still talking about one part of my alcoholism. One thing that makes me an alcoholic that non-alcoholics don't have. And the first time I was like, oh yes, I have that. I'm an, okay. Yes. I am an alcoholic. If that's what it means, Mm -hmm. because I always knew an alcoholic was, but I just didn't know what it meant. I knew I was an alcoholic because I loved party. Like I'm an alcoholic. Why are you drinking at 10 AM agent X? Well, Brenda, because I want to. And I'm an alcoholic, <laughs> duh, you know, like, but it was fine because being an alcoholic works. It works mm. for a really long time. The drinking works. And the way that I explained it last episode was simply that I felt restless, irritable, and discontent and sober yeah. and alcohol worked the best out of all the things that I tried to fix that feeling. It worked the best mm. until later on, it stops working. It stops I'm now restless, irritable, discontent, drunk. And now I'm restless, irritable, discontent, sober. Now I'm screwed, right? Mm. But this first part that we're talking about right now that we're talking about today is um, that I do have the phenomenon of craving. And simply that means when I start to drink, I can't stop comfortably. I know you haven't had a drink in 20 years, but do you not still, do you Mm. still know what it feels like when I say that word? Do you still relate to that? Absolutely. I ran out of money one night. And I couldn't keep drinking and I didn't realize we were getting close to running out of money and the torture I was in because we couldn't get more alcohol Mm. and the tantrum that I put on with my um, boyfriend at the time was crazy because I was in such pain. You saying that, yeah, just gave me actual chills on my arms. Like, (laughs) oh, you've run out of money halfway through. Like, that's fucking terrible yeah like I'm looking at you and going I'm so sorry honey like as yeah. my friend I'm like you know how that hard you were that tortured is. that way <laughs> it was great <laughs> it was great it was great because it told me I was an alcoholic because I, I later thought that was an odd reaction <laughs> and I would never start drinking never start drinking if I thought I couldn't go all the way and we didn't I didn't know why not understanding because no one had ever said the words phenomenon of craving before no one had ever said, Oh, that's how I feel too. Mm. I never saw people react the way that I did with alcohol in at the end where it was making me worse, but I didn't know how to be better. And then uh, I would aim for seven. I've been aiming for seven since I was 20. But by the end, it was like, I'm so far past seven. I can't explain to you. I can't make up a reason good enough that I'm drinking this much alcohol, knowing it's going to make me sick, knowing um, I'll be bedridden, knowing what's going to happen. I couldn't make up enough excuses as to why I was doing that. And this is the only thing, the only time someone said the words phenomenon of craving. And I was like, oh, I got that. That's a thing. That's the thing. The only thing that makes sense because I did, I came up with excuses that were just, you know, um, 
well, it's my boyfriend, it's my job. (laughs) You know, there were a million, but I actually didn't have a very bad life. So it's getting harder and harder to justify. Well, all honesty, I used to make up abuse. I would tell people in conversation that I was just an abused child because (laughs) it didn't make up, make sense that I could be so in so much agony all the time and so miserable. I was just such a miserable person that I would make up abuse situations, make up things that had happened to me. And there were things that did happen to me, but they, I knew in my heart, they weren't enough to be doing what I was doing. There's no way that that moment, it has mushroom clouded into my behavior of today. I knew it, but I didn't have another answer right? Yeah. Didn't have another answer. So we spend a third of the big book talking about what qualifies me to as a real alcoholic person and the desire that I have to convey that the desire that I have, um, to, to convey that conception to new people, because it's such a good news, bad news situation. If you have this thing, it actually doesn't occur in non-alcoholic people. That's bad news. Good news is I have lined up every person I know that does have this thing who had suffered the alcoholic torture that you just described about, who has now gone through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, who are now practicing these principles, sometimes begrudgingly in all of our affairs. (laughs) and who no longer feel that way. And I really, really hope that that can be helpful to somebody, you know, you and I, we have a great relationship and we go through things. And sometimes I call you from the floor of my closet and you've called me and it doesn't mean that things don't happen, but I am not tortured by alcoholism today. Like, Mm. Like where we were, we still want to talk about it. This is, this is 20, your last drink is 20 years removed from you, but the miracle of it, do you feel like is still so forefront in your mind today that you're happy to jump on this Agent X's newest crazy adventure, the podcast, right? (laughs) Yes. And I love Agent X's enthusiasm for it because I feel the same way um, still. Um, it is, it is, it has not subsided the fact that I have been able to not drink, um, you know, not to have that craving set in after the first drink, you know, that first drink is, is the one that sets off the craving. Thank God. They explain this so beautifully in the big Mm. book. They get back up from the medical profession, Mm. um, you know, and it, it is explained far better than I could ever do it. And you being a chronic alcoholic, do you like, do you consider yourself a chronic alcoholic? You being a chronic alcoholic and not having a drink for 20 years. I mean, that's a miracle. You not having a drink as like a normal person is pretty impressive for 20 years. (laughs) But when we, when we really actually read about what a chronic alcoholic is, what it's saying is that the most unnatural state for you is sobriety. That this Mm. is it. And I would love to hear you go, well, I've kept myself pretty well sober for these past 20 years. (laughs) It's a miracle. That's all I can say. It's a miracle. And I still enjoy talking about the miracle of it. That's right. So we're going to read in the doctor's opinion. It says, after they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, 
And the phenomenon of craving develops, which we just talked about. They pass through the well-known stages of a spree. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I can't tell you when it's going to happen though. Exactly. Sometimes I could stop drinking at seven. It absolutely yeah. happened. And sometimes I could have 15 and not blow up my life, right? Sometimes I could actually just still be happy and funny and sweet and have sex without trauma. Like, mm. like there was, <laughs> I didn't know, but I didn't know. And at the end, I could not tell you the truth from the false. I couldn't tell you if we were, if I was going to fight you or kiss you or oh, yeah. pass out. I, yeah. I couldn't tell you what was going to happen. My silence is, um, you know, total agreeance, completely the exact same <laughs> yeah. experience. I've made up trauma to try and excuse my behavior awesome. um, whilst drinking. Absolutely, Absolutely everything. I've done all of it. Yeah. <laughs> it says emerging remorseful. Yes. Of course oh, I God. was remorseful. And so I hate when drinking alcoholism is like, well, you should just be ashamed of yourself. I am ashamed of myself, Connie. Brenda. Like I am. I, I know. God, thank God we don't know what Brenda. I'm going to get an email. If your name is Brenda, forgive me. It's just my best, my other best friend has that other name that is used derogatory now. So we can never use no. that name as a derogatory. No, never. I will never use name. That. Exactly. Because our mm. like mutual best friend. Mm. I will we never love use you. that. <laughs> So I've made up Brenda because I don't know one. Sorry, Brenda. Um, <laughs> but yes, I'd always re emerge remorseful. Well, mm. why? Because I didn't mean it. I didn't yes. do this intentionally. I didn't act that way on purpose. I didn't hurt you. I didn't drive around drunk with the kids just because I didn't have good intent. Like, there's Ooh, I'm as horrified as you are. Yeah. Every by my morning. behavior in the quiet of my own company I'm as horrified as you are and as baffled as you are by my own behavior when I'm drinking and the worst thing about being remorseful while you're still drinking mm -hmm. is that you you don't really you sort of know that there is no solution you really you're going to try and do better but you know you're going to do something crazy again because you don't know how to stop you like are kind of, each time you say one of these sentences, it kind of takes my breath away and it puts me instantly back in a moment. And the moment was um, waking up, it, incomprehensible demoralization is one of the words that we read. And I, I remember waking up after the worst night ever and I had just humiliated myself in front of a whole city. It's a good story. Text me about it. And, um, <laughs> but I woke up with this horror, this incomprehensible demoralization, terror, bewilderment, frustration, yeah. despair, and being completely out of ideas of how I was going to get through it, except to drink again. And it was like, this is, this is, this is devastating. Mm. I am humiliated. I am so embarrassed. I feel terrible about what I said and did. And mm. there is no other solution except to drink again. Mm. And I didn't have a solution. I didn't have anywhere to go, but the feeling of like, I'm going to do this thing that just caused all the pain and I don't have another way not to be in pain. And that's when yeah. I say you're fucked, fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is actually a good thing. <laughs> yeah, this is. We, we bring that back around. Absolutely. <laughs> all step one is bad news, you know, but I always like to say yeah. good news. AA works, right? <laughs> mm. And it, it is so relieving to 
when you do get to AA and you realise that um, others have gone through this, because I, I did all this lonely. I did I did mm-hmm. this with people around me that were looking at me like, what are you doing? Yeah. And it's so nice when, when we get here and in this book it just says, oh, this is why and yeah. this is what you're like and, and you have a disease, you know. Me too. I love that it's like me too guy hundred years ago, you know, mm. me too. And I was yeah. in the doctor's opinion the first time I wrote it and read it. And I love when people go, someone wrote a book about my life. And I'm like, they wrote this about me. This is me. This is me. And mm. there's just something about that identification that somebody that I'm not just weak. I'm not just weak willed. Yeah. I built the foundation of my egoic persona on not being weak but here I was going fuck I'm so weak and Mm. they're like no no (laughs) oh you're not weak (laughs) oh you're not (laughs) there's relief in that it says with a firm resolution not to drink again Eh, sometimes maybe at the beginning it was at the beginning yeah and then it was such utter hopelessness and despair that it was like I'd love to tell you that I'm not going to do this again you know but we all know the truth and why am I going to BS you husband who's watching me drink myself to death you know like firm resolutions and it wasn't not to drink again it was not to say it had the same consequences again my Mm. resolution was this time I'm not going to fight my neighbor right Mm. (laughs) I've learned that lesson I think. I'm not going to steal from that bartender ever again. Mm. I'm not getting carried out of the Bondi Hotel over a bouncer's shoulder. Never. Again. I can just see it. <laughs> and if I don't go to that bar on a Tuesday night when it's ladies night, I'm not going to have those consequences. And I'm mm. never going to, you know, Long Island iced tea on a Wednesday again. Like, so the consequences, so the firm resolution was not to have the consequences as I did before. So maybe not so much not to drink again, but not to get repeat those consequences. It says this is repeated over and over. And unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of his recovery. And on the page before, it's like, it's like, you think I'm froth. You think that I'm sentimental. You think that I'm a big book thumper. You think that I'm like a little enthusiastic for your taste. Well, <laughs> honey, it's cause I, I'm, I am passionate about this. I'm passionate because like you will die if you have this and, and none of step one is good news. It just, isn't like, this is a death sentence for me. And it really I is. Yep. Yeah. And when I was reading it, I, I knew that day I knew, I knew just where I was sober. I knew how much pain I was in sober. And then when someone's explaining what alcoholism is to me, I knew this was a dense death sentence and mm. you've been around for 20 years. Could you even round to a number of how many people that you've seen die of alcoholism? I, oh. I mean, I hate to even I've say seen, that to you. I've seen three in my four in my immediate family die of, of alcoholism. Um, most of them active um and you know uh many try to do things other than this solution like exercise or um my cousin did exercise and um and he you know my auntie came to me 
like three years before he died and said, and he was 43 and he was a functioning lawyer. Mm. Life on the outside looked great. Yeah. But his drinking was a problem. And, um, you know, she said, we need to talk to him about his drinking because, yeah. you know, we're worried about him. And we tried to talk to him about his drinking. Um, he just didn't, he'd had many scares, but, you know, he stepped over the balcony um, when he was drunk. Yeah. And, um, and I feel sad. I feel like he's my brother in alcoholism and we couldn't, um, we couldn't get him to hear. Yeah. That you can be happy and sober. Right. You know. And I hate to bring that up. I'm so sorry. Cause I do know these tragedies in your life and I do know, but it's also why the message isn't changing. Like that this stuff will save your life. We know, cause here we are warts and all this isn't a merit system you know I think that you're pretty much fucking fantastic but for me I'm not here by merit I'm not sober because I deserve it or because I was a good person I'm a dumpster well today not so much filled up with you know a little bit of sunshine and sprinkling of of cupcakes but that all was God stuff not me you know that's all program that is a result of me but but it's not by merit do you know what I mean like Mm. you aren't any more deserving than your your, and I'm, I don't have better cousin. willpower. Yeah. I don't have, um, he yeah. had more willpower than me. He totally. was, he, he did like um, triathlons yeah. and ultra marathons. Like I was too bone lazy to do that. I was like, <laughs> it's easier to do the steps, man. Seriously, <laughs> do the steps. <laughs> anyway. So that's, mm-hmm. that's why it's because it says there is very little hope of an alcoholic's recovery. So we, the reason that I say that as well, because it's telling me that I need to recover in an entire psychic change. What kind of foofy yoga pants, India dot crap is that? (laughs) Oh yeah. It sounds so like something I would make fun of, you know, Mm. and, and something so ridiculous right? So I have to acknowledge that when we're talking about this stuff, I think that it's helpful to acknowledge how silly it seems, right? Mm, Like, so completely. Yeah, It's important for newcomers to know that when I walked in here, I thought this is insane. Um, This book is so weird, but I love it. Um, And yes, there is uh, this entire psychic change sounds near impossible for me. I had tried every type of mind, um, trying to be strong in my mind you know to try to change me so I mean I know yeah like so 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 I guess what I really want to say to newcomers or people that are thinking about you know who are AA as you say AA curious I love that (laughs) um is that yeah this the great news is this entire psychic change occurs as you do this action right as you, you don't have to action. you don't have you to don't, be a good girl you don't have to be a good girl and it comes whether you believe in it or not and this exactly. is something that we aren't manifesting i'm not making this happen it happens no. against your will if you follow the instructions and move your feet is that your mm. experience with your psychic change absolutely is my experience action is all that matters i started praying and i didn't believe <laughs> yeah i did yes. not believe yeah just started praying Straight away. That's what my sponsor said. Just start. The first day I met her, the next day I was on my knees praying for a sober day. Yeah. Um, Yeah, me too. Yeah. That was the instruction. Get on your knees, ask to be sober today. I go, well, that's not going to work. God's not real. And they're like, we'll do it anyways. And 
the willingness of knowing God's not real and doing it anyways, because I'm out of ideas. Mm. That is the depth of willingness you need. That's it. Yes. That's it. Yes. That's not even that special or that hard, right? I don't hard. need you. To, we aren't joining a religion. We aren't dressing the same. Simply, are you willing at this point in your drinking to get on your knees and just ask to be sober to this power you don't believe in? That's, mm. I love that you and I walk through the same arch of freedom mm. simply mm. by getting on your knees and praying to a God that you didn't really believe existed for a sober yeah. day. Yeah. That was it. That was yeah. it. <laughs> that was it. It says, on the other hand, and this is what we're talking about now, on the other hand, mm. and strange as this may seem to those who don't understand, once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person, us, who seem doomed, dude, I'm doomed. I'm a chronic alcoholic. I'm hopeless as fuck. There is no hope for me. Who seemed doomed, had so many problems he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol. The only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules. They're, they're simple. They're not easy, but they're simple. Yes. And what a promise that is. Right. Not even Easily able. If someone came up to you during your drinking and said, guess what? We've got a solution and you're going to be easily able to control your desire for alcohol. I mean, going, it's not what? even. A, yeah, right. <laughs> Seriously. Are you high right now? Are you I drinking now? everything how am I going to control my desire for alcohol without alcohol it doesn't make sense I mean it's the only thing in my life so if you take that desire away by drinking it (laughs) I give in really quickly (laughs) and I don't I don't mean give in because we do have the disease and we are absolutely um compelled to drink again so yeah please erase the give in that is not a weakness it is a part of the disease yeah absolutely and you know right now in this book like I said it's so funny because we're all people who take people through the steps so so quickly but you know this part of the book we're just talking about still that one this phenomenon of craving and also I've talked about before up until now is that we actually are treating that none of the solution to alcoholism is treating the phenomenon of craving I just have to understand that I have it right I'm treating this other part which we, we have a whole chapter and a whole bunch of people to talk about which is this inability to choose whether or not I'm going to pick up a drink or not today it's an exactly. utter inability to choose so I have to understand that I have this, right? But we're not treating that. We're treating right. this thing that happens where I keep changing my mind about whether or not I'm going to drink exactly. against my will. So, yeah. but good news is it's telling me the solution isn't about me doing more mental math or no. getting more willpower or making better life choices. Mm. <laughs> Could you Yeah, a budget is not going to solve this, baby. <laughs> Or a routine or an exercise program. And that is good news. I need more. I need more tricep work at the the gym. (laughs) Well, we're in trouble. (laughs) So I'm going to do all these other things in Alcoholics Anonymous. And after I do, the psychic change will occur. And then all of a sudden, my desire to drink goes away. That is the evidence of my experience is that your experience it is absolutely my experience can you remember it can you tell me about when the compulsion to drink you realized was gone uh 
you know what is weird is the day before the, like my last drink I didn't drink the full beer I surrendered that night wow. I surrendered because somebody said to me I'm going to take you I'm going to take the day off work I'm going to take you to the psychiatrist <laughs> understandably because yeah. I was behaving like a mad woman and yeah. um and uh I said to him at that point I don't need because I'd already been to AA once I didn't get on my knees and pray. Um, and this was three years later. And I, I said, I don't need a psychiatrist. I need AA. Wow. And I, I went back um, that day ready. Um, I have not had a compulsion to drink since that day, since I got on my knees and prayed. Right. Yeah. That's incredible. It, it left me immediately. Right. It, it, I was very lucky. I was very, very lucky. And I think something to, so um, something at the beginning to tell new people is that experience is so widely, uh, is so it, it comes in many forms. I think for the alcoholic, um, some people are struck sober. They absolutely are. Some people are struck sober, but then become miserable sober. And then they have to come to AA and do the work. Some people are struck sober the second they walk in. Some people are struck sober by spiritual experience. Some people are struck sober um, as a result of step three, summer, step four, the compulsion yep. to drink left me somewhere between steps five and nine. And that's where it's like really kind of promised though. That in step by step 10, this thing should have pretty much kicked in. And um, if it's, you know, so don't, I want people to relate to people's compulsion being removed, but not determining that it has to look that Mm. way. And I don't think that that's what we're selling, but what we're selling for fun and for free is that it does get removed and the absolute miracle of that. You know, I love yes. that compulsion to drink being removed because I've never once heard someone go, and I did that. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine? Oh God, they would make a fortune, but right. so important that I, I, I think I should qualify what I said in that. Um, I don't, I don't think I felt safe until I was at step 10. Wow. Um, cool. The compulsion certainly was removed. Yeah. Prior to that, and and possibly I wasn't even aware at the time. Yeah. But I didn't feel safe until step ten, and oh, that's that when I feels... felt safe. You know, like the like the problem had been removed. Yeah. It was incredible. It's incredible. I like yeah. when I hear people say like, "I just forgot to think about alcohol for this whole time," and like this realization that I'm not drinking, and uh, I. I don't know. I've, I've had a lot of things removed as a result of the steps in my sobriety. So I don't know whether you're talking about, I, I think it's great to talk about them. I'm going to, I'm going to exert my authority of running a podcast and talk about whatever I want here. But one of my examples is I used the 12 steps to remove cigarettes and the compulsion was removed as a direct result of putting it on a one through 10 process, a lot of like inventory around it. And it went from my head to my heart that I was powerless over cigarettes. The very next day they were removed from me. Right. And, um, I didn't want to tell anyone, I didn't want to mention this miracle because I thought that if I said it out loud, that it would, the miracle would disappear, but it's the same thing with the drinking miracle. Like just when something gets removed and fixed, when you've been sober for a while, you're mm. a little bit more conscious of it. If that's yes. fair, where the first one I'm like, 
I came to AA, which I didn't want to. I did all the shit that I didn't think was going to work, desperately didn't want to do. And then looking back like, oh my God, I don't drink anymore. Is that kind of like your experience as well? Or, oh my God, I'm safe from alcohol. Oh my God, this problem is different. Um, definitely with alcohol, um, as I said before, it's, it's, it was, the problem has been removed. Um, but yeah, same with cigarettes, just. I was 12 years sober when I decided to pray. Yeah. Um, someone suggested that I put cigarettes um, on the program and I did. And yeah. <laughs> surprisingly, I, have, I haven't had a cigarette yeah. since I prayed about it, Weird. which has just seemed Weird. to be God, God likes to do these things to me, um, you know, just uh, like he just does it. As soon as I pray to him, he'll, he'll go, yeah, okay. Right. you got to keep doing the work though, mate. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. <laughs> as soon as I'm done fighting, I I keep getting this um vision of the way that I act with everything in my life is that um it's kind of like my fight or flight. Every time something that I find on that I don't like, um, I do it this fight or flight routine. And so I will react and freak out. So I panic and react, panic and react. And it looks like a cat getting tangled up in a wire. And the more I get tangled up, the more freaked out I get until yes. finally I'm completely wrapped up in this wire. And I'm like, God, God, help me now. You know, until I'm completely <laughs> in trouble, completely wrapped up, God cuts the wire. And I'm like, fine, everything's fine now. Everything's fine. But he, he's not going to get me out of the wire until I ask. It's that just, is such it, a beautiful way to put it. God's not going to do this stuff until I'm ready. He's not going to force me sober. He's not going to force me to not smoke. He's not going to force me to do a damn thing. But when I'm ready to tap out, he's just always. Yes. It's tapping out. That's tapping out. But sometimes it's got to get real ugly. You know, I got to get real fucked. (laughs) Yeah. I got to be in the corner, suicidal, ready to go. Yeah. But when I say that, like that God's not going to do this against your will. I just, I want people to take some comfort in that, that this isn't, you know, God, I get myself tangled up in pain. God's not doing it. Okay. Absolutely. So I'm tangling myself up. Mm. He's going to come free me whenever I'm ready, but God's not tangling me up. God didn't do all no. this, stuff, you know, no, but I can only see that in hindsight. Yeah. Uh, it says, now do you see, we've been talking this whole time and we are two paragraphs in, do you see now why this is going to be the longest podcast in the world? And we, I need you to recruit more friends. Cause I think yes. I have like 35 people signed up. I need more. Cause that's going to be, we're going to get through Bill's story with 35. How many people. have you been through and got this far? Um, one, two, three, four, you're five, six, actually. <laughs> oh man this is awesome I love it I know I love it too men have okay so men have cried out to me in sincere Mm. and despairing appeal doctor I cannot go on like this I have everything to live for I stop I must stop but I cannot you must help me faced with this problem if the doctor is honest with himself he must sometimes feel his own inadequacy although he gives all that is in him it often is not enough. One feels that something more than human power is needed to produce the essential psychic change, essential, through the aggregate of recoveries resulting from psychiatric effort is considerable. We physicians must admit we have made little impression upon the problem as a whole. Many types do not respond to the 
ordinary psychological methods. This is such an important paragraph to me. Mm -hmm. If you haven't tried therapy, go try that. (laughs) Go try some rehab, right? Go try. Nowadays, I'm telling you, there are some gorgeous rehabs. There's the one Mm. that I do that H and I at that they have art rooms and massage therapists, you know, like they have chefs on hand. Mm. Sometimes I sit in there when I'm doing my H and I talks and I'm like, can I just stay with y'all for like a week? Let's check in. Didn't didn't we decide we were going to go for We were going to check in. (laughs) (laughs) We both went to the new rehab and we're like, just go to relapse prevention like (laughs) it's not I remember losing a sponsee over her choosing to do relapse prevention other than rather than um rather than meetings um and and the work so yeah it's um I choose I don't know Mm. relapse prevention is sponsoring people once you get through the steps that is relapse prevention step 12 is 100 all the relapse prevention i need but you know it's a lot more work than a chef and a massage so i get that and the truth is is that to this day i still think that you giving to me is going to be the solution and that you (laughs) feeding me and you giving me therapy and you talking about my feelings and you talking about how I am is going to be the solution. And, and AA says that it's the opposite of that. So do I understand you wanting to go there instead? My God, yes. And if it worked, so would I. Yes. If I could just go check in there for a couple weeks, be like, peace kids, you know, honey, have fun. I'll be back all refreshed and non-alcoholic. God, babe, I'm just jealous. Like right on. And that's Mm. what it's saying though, that that does work for some people. And Mm. it's like, you know, patting a horse and getting some equine therapy for some reason is the solution. Like I'm just jealous, but Mm. I tried that stuff. You know, I tried leading a horse. So did I. It doesn't, it didn't work for me. Um, And I haven't seen it work. I haven't, I mean, I think unless people do the steps, I think it's very difficult for it to work. I don't know. I tried with psychologists. I tried everything. I really tried everything other than AA. Um, And yeah, I, I unfortunately have seen people like who are going into rehab ridiculous amounts of time. Yeah, this thing is not working for them. Um, it's an excellent place to safely detox. Um, yeah. If you are in, um, if you are a low bottom um, drunk, or or you have, you know, a medical issue detoxing, then that certainly is. <clears throat> that's what it is there for, really. Right. I think is it's an excellent thing to do um, for a week. Where they where detox you safely, so you don't have a heart attack in the DTs and stuff like that. But um, if you want to get well and and live a normal, happy, peaceful life, lovely life, fun life, not peaceful, joyful, joyful, exciting, awesome, strap, put your seatbelt on, people. (laughs) It is hair raising fun, I tell you. (laughs) I'm not joking. I've had so much more fun in sobriety. Yeah. Absolutely. Where I like the part in the promises where it's in the step 10 promises that says, I just, I would not go back even for my no. best days, even if I could. And I don't believe that I could ever, I can't go back, but, um, I don't, I don't want to, but me either. I like this part also because the guy writing this is from the leading hospital. He's, mm. so this is his life's work is helping alcoholics. 
And he's like, there's this group of alcoholics, heavy drinkers. We will call them that drink a lot. They drink so much. Sometimes they're constant drinkers. Sometimes they drink all day. Sometimes they'll die a couple years before they should. They will die from drinking, Mm -hmm. but this psychology will work for them. So we have him able to differentiate a heavy drinker from an alcoholic and a heavy drinker can drink a lot of alcohol. They can get DUIs. They can break their teeth out. They can go to jail. They can lose their families. Yes. But if the circumstances is bad enough, they can get a little bit of psychology, a little bit of help, talk about your inner child, do some meditation and a workout. They can get a burrito and they can Mm. stop drinking. And he goes, and if I'm honest, that's not all the alcoholics I'm dealing with. He goes, there's this other group of people who are beyond that, who can never go back to just quitting on their own willpower. They are fucked, fucked, and I can't help them. And it's kind of like, okay, I'm just a hairdresser, right? But my ego as a hairdresser, I would not admit that I couldn't do a perm. I never learned. Why would I? It was like 2000s. But like, I would not admit to you that I couldn't do something because of the the ego of my career choice. And these are medical people. How beautiful. For him to tap out and be like, yo... I'm trying to win awards here, but there's these people that I can't help. And I think the leveling of his pride gave way to this spiritual solution that does sound ridiculous. Don't you, do you agree? God, what an amazing doctor this guy was though. And, and the reason he is this amazing is because he's had this experience over and over and he really only cares that people get well. I mean, he is very, very altruistic. Um, you know, to tell the truth about this, you know, it was really important at the time and it was revolutionary. Um, So, yes, and and there is, if you are alcoholic as I am, um, then there is no, um, psychology will not get, did not get me sober, did not help me. Yeah. You know. um, Even though I wish that it, could <laughs> it helped me with other stuff that I I needed to deal with um yeah you know I had uh you know I get tired I get tired and I get um toddler like yeah. um and I did a bit of cognitive behavioral therapy which was very helpful to to stop me from tantruming um and giving myself a bit of comfort but that had nothing to do with my alcoholism yeah I, and so I guess the point is I'm not knocking professional medical people and no I'm not way, looking not psychologists yep um they are very good at what they do they yes. don't help me with this particular problem apps that was a wonderful way to differentiate that so I like this part it says I do not hold with those who believe that alcoholism is entirely a problem of mental control because it was so defeating with this huge ego that I am so strong but I couldn't just think my way out of this right I've had many men who had, for example, worked a period of months on some problem or business deal, which was to be settled on a certain date favorably to them. They took a drink a day or so prior to the date, and then the phenomenon of craving at once became paramount to all other interests so that the important appointment was not met. These men were not drinking to escape. They were drinking to overcome cravings beyond their mental control. I love this part of the book because- Love it. There's so many things. First of all, it's talking about the phenomenon of craving that I cannot stop drinking comfortably. They just took a drink, right? Like let's celebrate because this good thing is happening in three days from now. 
So nothing's wrong. And when we break apart why I used to have to make up trauma and make up things that had happened as a child and abuses was because it didn't like make sense that I was drinking just because I was happy. You know, mm. I was drinking because it was 7.30 in the afternoon. I was drinking because I bought new shoes. I was drinking because I got my hair done. and looked fantastic, right? Like, mm. so what it's saying is if you have alcoholism, this isn't circumstantial full stop. It's not circumstance. So these men weren't drinking to escape their childhood. They're drinking because they have the phenomenon of craving full stop. They aren't drinking because of a circumstance that was bad. And it really helped me to know that I am drinking because I am an alcoholic. That's why I'm drinking. Yeah. I'm drinking in the face of jail institutions, insanity. Death, Death. losing my children, losing my job, losing my teeth, losing my boyfriend, losing my body, losing my life. Yeah. I'm picking up a drink because I'm an alcoholic and I have no mental defense against the first one. And when I start drinking, even though I have something good coming up, I can't stop comfortably enough to stop. So what are the times? Can you remember a time? I know I always have like these examples set up. Can you remember a time in your life when you had something good and then you took a drink, just, I'm just going to have a drink. And then you didn't make the good thing. So I remember I was living in Denver and my girlfriend had a baby and she flew to Denver from California to come see me. And she's like, meet me at seven for dinner. I was like, cool. And it was like three and I just had a drink and I couldn't make it. And I wanted to go. She's my friend. Like I loved her. I wanted to see the baby. I want to do that. But I was too drunk to safely go see her by seven. So I'm not drinking because I'm not happy. I'm happy. I'm excited. Yeah. So it's, I'm taking a drink because I take a drink. Right. Mm. Oh yeah. I have so many examples of that. Like where, you know, um, one of my best friends, 21st, I was feeling a little nervous. I drank all day. I turned up. I barely remember it. Right. I, I just made our friendship really, really bad. Um, mm. and just so many examples I thought of two while you were talking yeah. <laughs> um, you know it's easy to think of examples like that often I'm excited or um, I'm I've got fear underneath but yeah I'm not drinking any other reason that other than I'm an alcoholic yes you know um, I would think of things like I love my teeth for some reason. No one ever mentions that I have good teeth, but for, for the listening audience, I have great teeth. No one has ever mentioned it other than me, but I love my teeth. Right. So when I'm drinking, I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to go floss brush and whiten my teeth today. You know what you don't do when you have two bottles of wine in you, you do not brush floss and whiten your teeth with two bottles of wine in you, you know, like Mm -hmm. these are things that I wanted to do that I like to do, but then I took a drink and I'm unable to do them. My kid is an athlete and he'd have a lot of sports practices at 4 PM, but I'm already drunk by 4 PM. I can't go because I'm too embarrassed. I want to go to his stupid football practice. I want to do that. I don't want to be the drunk mom. My God, I even would meet drunk moms when I was sober, like uh, for the day. Mm. And there was this drunk mom that would go pick up her kid at the same time I did. And most of the time I could not drink till later. And I remember just going, oh, that is disgusting, right? (laughs) But that's exactly who I was. (laughs) Half the time I was drunk mom at school pickup. 
and it came into that right but so even though drunk mom at school pickup was disgusting to me and even though I wanted to not be drunk mom at soccer practice like I had to take a drink because I'm an alcoholic and no desire to keep me sober was going to work to keep me exactly exactly my experience too Hmm. uh There are many situations which arise out of the phenomenon of craving, which cause men to make the supreme sacrifice rather than continue to fight. And it's just my experience and what I get to watch as a sponsor today, but also, also why I'm so passionate about this, why I love it so much, why I'm so grateful that you came on to chat with us today about our favorite topic outside of puppies is um, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and what a miracle our recovery is. Um, just thanks so much for joining us, Mary. Oh, really absolutely. It. Such a pleasure to be with you, Agent X. You are a rock star <laughs> and I'm so proud of you. And um, yeah, it was a pleasure. Well, we'll have to do it again because I have 164 pages to get through it. At this rate, I'm going to need you all to show up three or four times. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Okay. Sounds good, babe. Thanks everyone else for listening. Please feel free to reach out anytime at that's not in the book at hotmail.com. Thanks guys. Dude, have you even read the fucking book?